holy name. We have a great opportunity this evening to not just lift God's name up, but to receive from God a word through his manservant, Dr. Rupert Bushner. But before we move on, move on, I need you guys real quick. Can you pause? I want you to go ahead and press that share button. Let's make sure that this world knows that God is doing something great here at the Quarantine Moving Forward Revival. Let all your friends know. Pause right here and go ahead and press that share button so that we can let everyone know that God is moving here at the Quarantine Revival. Let me see who has already checked in. I'm looking now. I see some folk from Wisconsin. All right, we see you. We appreciate you for tuning in from Wisconsin. We got Pasadena, California in the building. We appreciate you guys for coming through as well. We got England in the building. The UK is being represented here tonight. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Hopkins. We appreciate you. My church, Deerfield Beach SDA, is in the house, and we appreciate you guys as well. We got some folk from Huntsville. We got some folk from Orlando. We got people from Virginia. We appreciate you guys so very much for tuning in. Make sure you tell us where you're tuning in from, who you are, and we want you tonight to interact with us. Press that heart button if you're ready to worship God. Let's go ahead and prepare ourselves to lift up the name of Jesus. You do know that worship is not a noun. It's not something that we observe. Worship is a verb. That means it's a participatory action. We are going to lift up the name of Jesus. And as Jesus is hoisted high tonight, we believe he's going to draw us closer unto himself. We're glad tonight because we again have Dr. Rupert Bushner, who is in the virtual sanctuary, ready to give a word from the Lord. I need y'all to know that I'm not just saying that. Let me go ahead and put it in gallery view so y'all can see the man himself. He is here. Oh, you see his face? There he is. He's smiling. I'm curious to know, are y'all ready to hear a word from this man? If you're ready to hear a word from God's servant, his mouthpiece that through which he will amplify his voice and will this evening, go ahead and press that heart button if you're ready. If you're ready, press that heart button because Dr. Bushner came ready. He looks ready. Are you ready to preach, Dr. Bushner? Hey, he's ready. He's ready. He's ready. All right. Well, listen, I have a couple of things that I need to share with you guys because y'all are amazing. Okay. I see you, North Carolina, checking in. I see you, Bermuda, checking in. I see you, Shereen Taylor from UK, checking in. We see you, Windsor Street SDA. Okay. England is representing here, y'all. I ain't going to lie. I appreciate you guys. Let's go ahead and and move on because I have something that I need to share with you guys. Y'all are amazing. This quarantine revival, we have now reached we reached the midpoint last night and we're on the other side. We had our, our locker room talk with our pastor, Pastor Melvin Warfield, who told us that God can, he has a habit of working miracles in the midst of mess. We said, oh my God, last night that God is presenting us with opportunities in this season to lift up his name and to share his love. And that locker room talk really got us ready because now we're about to go out on the field. We're about to go back out on the floor. And we got Dr. Rupert Bushner, who's going to be cheering us on, pointing us in the direction that we need to go. And I want you guys to know, Thus far in our revival, oh my gosh, I can't wait to share this with you. We have been able to, as a family, a worldwide family, because y'all are representing the world right here. I need you to know that we have helped six families total this up to this point with giving them financial blessings in order to help them through financial crisis during this pandemic. Can I tell you guys that we helped a pregnant single mother from Virginia? 
with $531. We were able to help a single mother from Houston with $400. We were able to help a family here in Florida for $325. We were able to help a single mother in Michigan with $400. We were able to help today another pregnant woman from Florida with $400. And we were even able to help a single mother all the way in Jamaica with another $409. Can I tell you all something? Thus far, you have sowed seeds of generosity, and this is how much you've blessed. You've blessed with a total of $2,465 that has gone in the hands of people who are in desperate financial need. And I just want to celebrate you guys, man. If you're excited about what God is doing and how he's using you guys to be a blessing in someone else's life, then go ahead and press that heart button right now and tell God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for using the Quarantine Moving Forward Revival to help bless other people other than yourself. Oh, yeah, I'm excited because God is going to pour into you. But before we move into the prayer, before we move into the word, if you want to help sow a seed, if you want to help more families, because y'all, every cent that's coming in is going right back out. So if you want to pour back in and you want to help more families, let me show you how you can do that. You can help by using either the cash app or you can use the or you can use the uh, PayPal account. With PayPal, you can use our Gmail account, which is thequarantinerevival at gmail.com. Again, that is thequarantinerevival at gmail.com. And over there at the Cash App, you can use the money sign, the quarantine revival. Again, Cash App is the money sign, the quarantine revival. And then for PayPal, we have the quarantine revival at gmail.com. Thank you guys for using both of those avenues to give. And again, as you pour in, we're going to give it right back out to those people and funnel it into those places of need. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been doing such an amazing job, and I appreciate you so much for allowing God to use you during this time. Now, tonight, we do have a preacher in the house. His name, again, is Dr. Rupert Bushner, and I'm going to keep saying it. This is a household name in Adventism. I need y'all to know that he's been all over the world preaching the gospel, and he's been doing it for more than one decade or two decades. Listen, he's a seasoned minister with plenty of experience, not just in church, but plenty of life experience, and he knows how to take the word, and he breaks it down into such a relevant way. He takes all of that stuff from antiquity, and he brings it into modernity, and he knows how to build that homiletical bridge that is able to allow us to experience God's power through his preached word. And I'm appreciative that he knows how to, to rightly divide the word of truth. Y'all, he is a preacher. He's not just a preacher. He's also a professor. He has that teaching spirit in him. He's been a teacher, a professor over at Oakwood University where he got his undergrad degree. He also went to Andrews University where he got his MDiv. And y'all, he, he didn't just stop there. He's so hungry for knowledge. He's so hungry for what God has for him. He went all the way and got his doctorate of ministry degree from the United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. Did I tell you guys that he's a native of Akron, Ohio? Oh, yeah. We appreciate them. If y'all are from Akron, if you know anybody in that area, let's go ahead and, and show some love for Akron, Ohio. He is a native from Akron. And again, he's pastored churches 
all over the country and God has used him all over the world. He is the proud father of five. He is an amazing husband and his wife in particular, she is, she's a gift. She's hilarious. Her, I call her Aunt Joanne. She, she is a gift of God. And together they make a ministerial team that literally makes the devil shake in his boots. It gives him a migraine headache whenever those two wake up because they're about the business of God. So we appreciate him for coming here tonight and for being willing to be used by God to deliver this message of glory, this message of inspiration, motivation, and guidance. And tonight, we're ready. If you're ready to receive this word tonight, yeah. If you're ready, if your heart is open, if your mind is open, why don't we go ahead and do this? We're going to go to God in prayer right now, and we're going to ask that God would prepare our minds. We're going to have tomorrow night, Pastor Michael Polite, and he's going to be jumping in um, on the call tonight so that we can get a chance to see him. And we're just going to shout as Dr. Bush delivers this word. But we want to take our we want to take uh, prayer seriously. And I'm going to ask you if you could just assume some position of respect. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray for a couple of things. You all have been giving us your prayer requests, and we appreciate that. We're praying with specificity. If you have anything you want us to pray about, please send it to us through our Gmail account thequarantinerevival at gmail.com. And we also want you to send it to us through our private message by the uh, to the Quarantine Revival Facebook page. That's again, the Quarantine Revival Facebook page. And we will pray with specificity for you. Let's go ahead and go to God right now in prayer. Let's bow. Father in heaven, we are grateful. We're grateful for life. We're grateful because you didn't have to wake us up this morning. We know it was not the alarm clock that woke us up. We know it was your spirit that provided us the opportunity and ability to be at this place where we can worship you with the quarantine moving forward revival. Lord, we're asking that you would continue to pour grace and mercy into our lives. We understand that today we have every reason to be glad because you did not give us stale mercy. You didn't give us stale uh, grace. You gave us new mercy today. And with that fresh grace and mercy, we want to say thank you. I pray right now a prayer of covering over every single person who is tuned in right here. I thank you, Lord, for the quarantine revival and every person who has been receiving of you. But, Lord, we need more. We're hungry. We desire more miracles. We desire more power. We desire more authority. And we need your spirit to reign on us like never before. So we pray that in the form of the latter rain, you would provide us with the indwelling Christ. And we ask that you would prop us up on every leaning side. I pray right now that you would build us up where we are torn down. I pray right now that you would please help those who are in financial need. I pray that you would please touch our minds, that you would allow those who are disturbed mentally to have the peace that passes understanding. We also pray, Lord, that you'll provide us with relational uh, uh, healing. We need God for you to go into our homes and we need you, God, to make our home a piece of heaven on earth. We pray that you would please help those who are sick, touch those who are have contracted this COVID-19. We're praying, Lord, that you would please heal their bodies, revive them, I do pray, and bring them to optimum health. We also ask, Lord, that you would please place a hedge of protection around our essential workers. Oh, God, we say thank you for every nurse, every doctor, every person who is helping those who are in need. And we ask that you would help them, God, to have the endurance necessary to continue doing what you've called them to do. We pray, Lord, that you would inspire them and that you would allow this test that we are now going through to transform itself into a testimony, that you would use what the enemy means for bad for our good, and that you would extract glory out of our situation. We pray for the preacher of the hour tonight, 
We need you, God, to use him like never before. We pray, Lord, that you would allow him to have freedom as he delivers your word with conviction and with power. And Lord, we ask that as we receive it, that we would not merely become educated sinners. We want more than education. We need transformation. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray this prayer in faith. Amen. Amen. And amen. Again, thank you guys so very much for tuning in. Tonight, God is going to do something great, and we want you to right now press that share button, pause real fast, and share. Before this preacher preaches, tell the world that they need to tune in. They don't want to miss not one word that escapes his lips because God is about to use him like never before. At this time, before we hear the preached word through Dr. Rupert Bushner, we're, all, we're now going to invite our friend Gregory Brunat to come and to lead us now in song. Thank you so much for being with us tonight, Gregory. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. See things like you do. God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from, give me wisdom, you know just what to do, yeah, yeah. oh God, we trust you, yes we do, you are worthy of our praise, God, come on, let's sing this next verse. God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed, give me vision, to see things like you do, God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from, give me wisdom, oh God, you know just what to do.
Dr. Bushner, we want to make sure that you know that we appreciate you for coming and for sharing this word. The floor is now yours. And also, let me make sure that the people are aware that you do pastor an amazing church. What is that church that you pastor again? We want to. I'm, I'm, I'm co-pastoring with Dr. James Doggett, your hey. father, here at the Patmos Seventh Day Adventist Church in Orlando, Florida, and we're having a ball. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, we thank you again for coming. The floor is now yours. Preach us until we are happy and re and rejuvenated. Well, I just want to say it is a joy. My friend, Dr. James Doggett is a co-pastor. He and I co-pastor together, and I'm delighted and excited to be here with him in Orlando, Florida. He is my friend. We've gone to school together. We go way back, and now God has blessed us with the privilege to be able to co-pastor together. And man, we're having a ball. He and his wife and my wife, Sister Bushner, Joanne, Jojo, Aunt Jojo. Um, I'm loving on her. She's loving on me. We're having a ball. We're here in the sunshine state. So I just want to thank God for health. Thank God for my lovely wife. She's here tonight. In fact, if she say amen, it's all right, because I just love her so much and she loves me. And I'm just glad to be in the meeting. I want to thank you, JD, for Pastor Doggett, Pastor J.D. Doggett Jr. for the visionary that you are. Man, this is epic. It has been a blessing, and I'm just glad to be in the lineup. Like your father said, we're like dinosaurs. We're a little older now. We're closer to the end than the beginning, but God has been good to us. The run has been great, and I'm just glad to be able to throw my hat in and say something on behalf of Jesus because there's nothing like talking about my best friend. He that shall come will come, Lord of lords, and so tonight, I'm just excited and I thank God for the platform in which to be able to stand now and share with those who've been coming on the quarantine revival. And I just want to thank you again, JD, your family, bless you, your wife. And I just want you to know, man, God has an anointing on your life and you are doing great things. And they're going to be even greater things that God is going to birth out of your spirit. And so I love you, nephew. God bless you. Keep doing what you're doing. And I'm just glad tonight to be able to share the word of God. And as I always say, I don't have end of sermons. I just got to stop. So I'm watching the clock. I know around the time we need to be, you know, to stop and land the, and land the plane. And I'm, that's why I brought my wife tonight, because I'm going to ask her to give me that look that looks like, hey, it's time to wind it down. Because I'm just happy in Jesus. And there's nobody mad but the devil. And yes. So tonight I celebrate him. I celebrate God. I celebrate all that he's doing. And so this quarantine revival has been off the chain. So I want to go ahead and get into the word and just share what the Lord has put on my heart. And I'm going to ask that we would just bow our heads for a word of prayer for a moment, and then we're going to go to our scripture text, and we'll go from there. Father God, I am so excited about being able to talk about your grace. Tonight, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for giving us this platform. What the devil meant for harm, God has used for good. And tonight, oh, Heavenly Father, I pray for divine anointing. I pray that the Holy Ghost would move through the airways and through all that is here and there and everywhere. Lord, wherever individuals are, may they hear your word because you said it will not return unto you void. And so in the name of Jesus, I pray for clarity of thought. And what I learned in my study, I pray for understanding and clarity so that it might be delivered the way I saw it, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. I'm excited. Let's turn. I want to go to the, in, our, in our word to Numbers chapter 14. 
is our scripture reading, Numbers chapter 14. And I'm going to begin reading verse 1, Numbers chapter 14. And we're going to begin looking at that text of scripture, Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. So all the congregation lift up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. <laughs> it's going to be sweet. Hold on, hold on. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would, would, it, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Mercy. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Verse 9, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are bred. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said, to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Verse 11, and then, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them. Wow. Moses, how long? In other words, I, I like that question. How long? How long would these people reject me? This is what the Lord said to Moses. Now, this is the God of the universe saying to Moses, when will these people ever get it? After all that I've done for them, after all that I've brought them through, after all that I've brought them out of, how in the world what is going on in their minds to think that I can't carry them through? Uh -uh. That's what the Lord is saying. He said, how long will they not believe me? How long will they reject me? I, I, I like that question because it's a question that deserves an answer. When will we wake up and recognize God is able? And so when we begin moving forward, we've got to realize and recognize that it is God that's moving us. You see, in the very beginning, it was God that called Moses. It was God that called him to the burning bush and spoke to him. It was God that gave him directions. In fact, it was God that said, I'm going to go and set my people free, but I'm going to use you, Moses. It's amazing how when God begins to do something on earth, he always calls a man or a woman. In other words, he said, Moses, I'm going to set my people free, but I'm going to send you. 
And Moses wanted to know, well, if I go, what's your credentials? He said, just say I am. And so Moses begins the process of going to get God's children out of bondage. And you all know the story, how God begins to move. And so tonight, I really want to look at the analogy of moving forward. What does it look like? What happens when one moves from where they are to where God wants them to be? What, what happens and what's the process and what's the mindset? You see, if you ever want to go to the next level, we have to recognize that when you're drawn to a holy God, you're going to go through some changes. It's going to cause you to have to alter your schedule. You're going to have to redirect uh, your thinking because when God calls you, he calls you for a reason. See, I want to remind somebody tonight, you are not stuck. You just stayed too long. I, I like that right there. I like that. You, you're not stuck. You just stayed too long. And I, I remember not too long. Well, I remember some time ago when my wife, Joanne, worked in Allegheny West Conference when I was pastoring there. We had three sons and the middle son, Ronald, had gotten himself in a predicament. Well, what happened was the conference, it was in a big mansion in Columbus, Ohio, and they had remodeled, redecorated those homes. And now that particular building is the Allegheny West Conference that was remodeled from one of those mansions years ago. And on the second floor, somehow Ronald had gotten lost or misplaced. And somehow I, I didn't know where he was. And I heard his voice calling and I heard him saying, let me out. I, I heard him saying, let me out. And I began to look around and I couldn't find him. And all of a sudden I heard his voice coming from the second floor out of a restroom. And I got close to the door and I heard him say, let me out, let me out. And I said, well, son, how did you, you know, how did you get in there? I don't know. I don't know. And, and I started interviewing him, asking him some questions. And this is what I said. I'll never forget. I said, if you want to get out, you better follow the instructions. I, I told him, I said, if you want to get out, you, you have to follow the instructions. I believe he was about five or six years of age. And so I told him, I need you to follow the instructions. I told him, I said, in the door, there's a little thing there that you need to turn so that it'll unlock the door. And he said, well, I'm, I'm trying. I said, you ain't trying good enough because you ain't out yet. And so I had my hand on the doorknob and I wanted to break the door down, but my money was funny and my change was strange. And I didn't want to have to pay for that door. I wanted to get him out. I, I wanted to break the door down. So I had to wait patiently like a father. My, my wife is in another room working. So I thought I better handle it real soon because it was my responsibility to watch him in the first place. And so now I know I've got to get him out. So I say to Ronald, I say, Ronald, now listen to me. There's a little thing in the middle of the door. Turn it. And once you turn it and click it, I'll know you're ready to go come out. And so I had my hand there waiting on him to work it. Finally, I heard it click. He turned the doorknob. I turned the doorknob. I pushed the door open. And guess what? This little guy came out. And I'll never forget it. He came out and he said, I'm free. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget. He walked past me with those green eyes. He looked up at me and said, I'm free. I said, since you're free, boy, go down there and tell your mama. And he ran down the hallway. I could hear him singing it. I'm free. And it's nothing like being free tonight. You know, it's nothing like moving out of a situation where you were a slave and now you're free. It's something not, you know, it's, 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 it's nothing like being able to know that you are moved by God and not moved by habits. It's nothing like knowing that you can move and have your being and nothing controls you, nothing stops you. Because anytime, now watch this, anytime we think the problem is out there, that is the problem. 
Let, let me say that again. See, many times we think we're stuck and we can't get free because of some external stimuli and it's somebody out there doing something to me and it's a problem that I cannot control. And I've discovered that Stephen Covey says there's direct control, there's indirect control, and there is no control. And you and I have to recognize, we have to realize that there's some things we have direct control over and that's our behavior. Nobody has to pass a law. Nobody has to veto a law. Nobody can determine how much joy you have. That's up to you. And so I declare tonight, you have direct control over your joy. You have direct control over your happiness because it's all about you making some decisions. There are some things that's indirect control and that's other people's behavior. I can't tell you that people always going to treat you nice. I can't tell you that people won't talk about you and stab you in your back. But I want to tell you that you should, you should be so full of the Holy Ghost that if someone does stab you in the, Holy, in the back, you pull the knife out, wipe it off and give it back to them and tell them they dropped something. I'm talking about full of the power of God, not dependent on external stimuli to dictate your joy. And so there are some things you have no control. And that's when you ask God to do something about it. You see, we in power was out there to control us when we think it's out there. And with that paradigm, I need my circumstances to be right before I ever move forward. And that is a faulty, that is a that, that is not a paradigm in which we should live. We should live from the inside out. And if we ever going to move forward, we've got to recognize that God is calling us to freedom. God is calling us to liberty. God is calling us. See, the problem is this, and I want you to get this. The Old Testament is really a coloring book for the New Testament Christian. See, the Old Testament stories illustrate how God wants to move in the lives of a Christian. See, in the New Testament, you have theology. In the Old Testament, you have theology with a lot of stories. God wasn't wasting his time with those stories, but he wanted to use those stories to illustrate how he works in the life of a believer. Therefore, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. They go hand in hand, and you need both of them to shed light on your path. That's why David said it's a light it's a lamp. That's why David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word, there's power in the word of God. So if you're in doubt on some subject, if you don't know which way to turn, turn to the word of God. And that's why tonight I'm not talking about what I think or what I feel. I can stand on a thus saith the Lord. And he said, my word will not return unto him void. So if you don't mind, just for a little while, let us go back to numbers and find out how we can move forward and let's break it down and see what God wants us to see. You see, when you understand the Bible from Genesis all the way to Deuteronomy, you're talking about five books. This is what the Lord spoke in my spirit when I start reading the Bible again anew. See, in Genesis, you find God starting the Christian off in the beginning. You see, light and darkness. He speaks to us. We begin a journey. Man fell into sin, but even in falling into sin, don't you know in Genesis, the gospel is preached in verse 16 of Genesis chapter one? Oh, oh, you missed that. If you go back and read Genesis chapter one, you'll see the gospel preached right there. What does it say? It said God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Oh, you missed that. Let me say that again. He made two great lights. He made the sun and the moon. He made the lesser light 
which rules the darkness. Now, now the point is here in the gospel, he is saying, I made two great lights. That first light is Jesus and the lesser light, his people. You see, the problem with the moon, the moon, if it could testify, it will tell you, I don't have light on my own. I don't have the propensities to shine by myself, but I have enough good sense to line myself up with the sun. That's S-U-N. So that when the sun shines on me, the illuminary propensities reflect off of me. And it looks like I'm the sun, but I'm not the sun. That's why when the sun shines on you, he says, I can rule my darkness. So the question is, some of us are not ruling our darkness because we're not lined up with the sun. I'm not talking about the S. O-S-U-N. I'm talking about the S-O-N. We're not lined up with the sun. So when the son of God lines up with us, his light emanates off of us. We ought to rule our darkness. Habits shouldn't have the upper hand on my life. Problems should not have the upper hand on my life. If I get up early in the morning and line myself up with the sun by devoting my life to him, Problems reveal me spending time with God builds me. So in Genesis, you find the gospel and then you move from Genesis to Exodus. That's where God brings deliverance. You see, when you read the Bible, you have the beginning of the Christian experience. Then we got in sin. Exodus, he delivers us. And then in Leviticus, watch this. Once we are delivered. Now, now let me go back. Let me go back. See, the reason why the children of Israel did not get the commandments while they were in slavery, slaves can't obey God in slavery. Oh, you missed that. See, they didn't get the Ten Commandments until Mount Sinai. They were delivered first, and then they got the law of God. You don't get the law of God while you're in sin. You get the law of God when you're delivered. See, we need to stop putting on lost folk, imposing on them what is not right. They don't supposed to obey God because the natural man is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We're born bankrupt. We're born sinners. We're born lost. And there's no way we can obey God unless he delivers us first. So Exodus comes after Genesis. We get delivered and then we go into Leviticus. Leviticus is where we learn how to approach God. Watch this. See, when you start approaching God in worship, they had the feast days. They had the offerings. They had all the different trumpets in the Pentecost. All those days simply were days to show us in the sanctuary how we are to worship and approach God. That's what it is. So Exodus, I'm delivered. A delivered person ought to worship. And when you worship, you ought to start ruling your darkness. That's where numbers come in. So by the time you get the numbers, you ought to be dealing with issues and they should not be dealing with you. You should not be defined by your circumstances. You should be getting victory in your life. So after numbers, you go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is repeat. Learn something from what you went through so you don't have to do it again. That's what Deuteronomy is. You missed that. So Exodus, you know, that's deliverance. Leviticus, teach me how to worship God. Numbers now you find in our verse tonight where the people of God on the border of the promised land need some evidence. And God allows them to see what they're not ready to deal with because their character haven't developed yet. See, that's how it's some stuff you don't want to see yet because you ain't big enough yet. As we move forward, we've got to let God process us to process us today. So I can be ready tomorrow. So you've got to understand, we need to understand what we're going through today is preparing us for tomorrow's battle. I need to understand what I'm going through is a light affliction and it cannot be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in me. I got to go through some stuff in order to go 
to my stuff. God is using what I'm going through to fix me so that he can prepare me what I'm going to. Every battle goes higher. In fact, the pen of inspiration says there are no non-essentials in the life of a believer. Everything happens for a reason and for a purpose. And when it happens, it's happening because the almighty God is allowing you to go through something to prepare you for the next battle. And so now we find in numbers, they're having problems because they never learned how to trust God. And he was taking them to the next level. And in our experience right now, during this coronavirus, during this COVID-19, what it's doing is it's revealing where we are in our movement with God. Some people are rejoicing. Some people are complaining. Some people are fearful. Some people are afraid. But I'm telling you, spending time with God builds character. Trials and life reveals character. They say a prize fighter is not made in the ring, he's revealed in the ring. Christians are not made in life, they're revealed in life. So what we need to understand is, I heard my preacher say, this is a pretest. What we're going through now is just a pretest. And I heard Brian Jacobs say, the pretest is seeing if you're ready for the test. You missed that. In other words, the test is just seeing if you're ready for the test. This thing right now is just seeing if we're ready for the real test. And if we can't just keep up with the footmen, how are we going to take place and run with the horse? In other words, tonight, I want to share with you something that God revealed to me. He showed me this. He said, if we're going to be free, if we're going to be free, number one, let's go to that first point. If we're going to be free, there's something we got to recognize and we need a paradigm shift. And we need to understand that number one, as we move towards freedom in our Christian experience, just like the children of Israel, number one, God is the one who gives us the land. Okay, that's number one. God gives us the land. That's the first point I want to make. That's in Numbers 13, verse 1, verse 2. God gives the land. Now, you'll see that it is God who gives them the land. What are you, what are you saying, preacher? C.S. Lewis says sometimes we need to be reminded more than instructed. Okay, so so I need to be reminded that it is God that's giving me salvation. It's not something I earn. It's not something I work for. It's not something that I'm going to go after. You see, God says, I'm giving you the land. Now, now watch this, saints. The reason why he's using the Israelites to go into the promised land to drive out the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Hittites even the termites is because he wants the land to have rest. And the reason why the land can't have rest is some stuff in the land that's not right. And this is what the Lord revealed to me. When we're young, we let stuff into us that we've got to later drive out. See, we're young shorter and we're old longer. I'll say that again. We'll say that again. See, we're young shorter and we're old longer. When we're young, the Bible says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days draw nigh and you have no pleasure in them. Therefore, I've got to guard the avenues of my soul. I got to watch what I watch, watch what I hear, watch what I see, because I'm letting stuff into my land that later on I'm going to have to drive out in order to have peace. See, see what, let me say it again. See, the Christian spends the rest of his adult life undoing stuff that he did to himself when he was young. 
Mom said, don't watch it. Dad said, don't go. He said, don't listen to that music. Don't watch that movie. And we stick with, and we think we grown and got four hairs on our chest and we smelling ourselves and nobody can tell us anything. And so we run ahead of our parents. Don't listen to their advice. Get exposed to something. It comes inside of me. Now I've got to spend the rest of my life driving out habits that came inside. Either it was nurture or nature. No, other words. I even in, I, I inherited some stuff, but then I cultivated some stuff. It was stuff that I've got down from my great, great granddaddy or great, great grandmother. And I have proclivity to certain things and I got certain pullings. And therefore what I do, I begin to act on those things. And then I begin to develop a tendency for those things. And now for my land to have rest, I've got to spend the rest of my life driving out stuff that I let in when I wasn't smart enough to understand the devil has to set it up before he sets it off. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. God tempts no man with evil. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust. I'm doing it to myself. And Proverbs Solomon says, we become holding by the cords of our own doing because we didn't listen to God and I'm trapped trying to get out. And God is trying to show us in this pericope tonight, in this story, the Israelites, he said, I'm giving you the land. You don't have to work for it. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to help you drive them out. The goal is just trust me. Don't rebel. Don't argue and don't fuss. Just follow my lead. And if you notice here, you got to understand when he says, I'm giving you the land, the land was theirs. That's justification. The moment you accepted Christ as your personal savior, you were justified. The moment you accepted Jesus, you were declared righteous, not because of right doing, not because of anything you did. I know you got a vegetarian diet. I'm a vegetarian, but my vegetarian diet ain't going to save me. I don't care how much almond milk, soy milk. Uh, cashew milk. It ain't about the milk. It ain't about your vitamins. It ain't about your four-mile walk. It ain't about your, your, your vitamins. It's about the grace of God. We're saved by grace through faith. God gives it to us as a gift. The moment he says, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from unright. I'm declared righteous right that moment. It ain't it, I'm saved by faith and something else. I'm saved at that moment. And if I died right there, I'm declared righteous like the thief on the cross when he said, Lord, for, uh, remember me, Jesus, I got you. That's called righteousness, justification. And say, when, when he said the land was theirs, they didn't need proof. They didn't need to see what it looked like. They didn't need to see the giants. He said, see, when God says it, it's done. The methodology is up to him. In other words, once God says what he's going to do, how he's going to do it is left up to him. And he's big enough to do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. And I've just got to learn to wait on him and trust him with my whole heart and not lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him. He got me. See, the problem with the children of Israel, they never learn. Watch, watch the text. I'm giving you the land. I'm, see, sanctification now is becoming what God declared you to be before you are that. Let me say that again. Justification is God saying you're righteous, even though you still jacked up. God declaring you righteous, even though you still might be smoking. God declaring you righteous and you still got some, you know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. God says you're righteous because you trust me. See, he looks at the trend of your life. Is it trended up? See, somebody might see somebody smoking a cigarette, but you don't know. They used to smoke a carton a day. Now they're down to one pack. 
So you don't understand that. See, they used to, you, you see him with somebody they don't supposed to be with. You, you say, what are you doing? He used to be with five. Now he's down to one. That's some progress, y'all. That's sanctification. That's God purging us. See, we look at the steel frame and don't look at the whole video. I'm so glad tonight he looks at the trend of my life. He see me moving upward. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I should be, but I thank God I'm moving where I need to be. Hallelujah. And, and so the Israelites here in this text, y'all, I'm getting too happy. I got I to gotta go back. In, in, in this text, he said, I'm giving you the land. I'm going to justify you. I'm going to sanctify you. You're going to become what I said you already are in the process you're going to drive out stuff so you can have peace. See, the problem with the Christian is that you can be saved, have no joy because you have no victory. Let me say that again. See, see, you you, you can be saved. There's, there's some angry saints in the pew because they don't have victory. They don't have power to overcome some stuff. Now, they're a child of God. And when you sin, let me say this. When you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. So don't trip. That don't mean you saved and lost. No. What it means is when I sin against God, I don't break the relationship. I distort the fellowship. Okay, let me say that again. You got to get this. Because see, some kids think they're all confused. When I'm moving forward with God, they think I'm not a Christian. No, no. You are a Christian. You, you just can't fellowship with him like you used to. You can't get out the bed and fall on your knees like you used to. You can't approach him like you used to. Because that's like, if you owed me $100 and told me you were going to pay it back in two weeks, and a whole year has gone by, and we're in the same church, when you walk in, you know what you do? You want to find out where I am and you want to be somewhere else. So you walk in the back door if you know I came in the front door. Now, you might still be my friend, but that means you, we still got a friendship, but our fellowship is gone. So you, you, you can't hang around me like you used to because you offended me or you feel like I owe you something and I haven't made it right. That's why we run from God when we sin because you know what the Bible says? Sin makes you run when nobody's chasing you. And that's a problem. See, Christians, if they would just come clean and recognize that God can forgive them, God can clean them and wash them white, it'll be all right. See, the problem is when God gave them the land, they never had to do anything but trust him. I don't have time to tell you all the different battles. Remember on several occasions, one time they went into Jericho, all they had to do was march around the wall and, and they would go back home and eat their big franks and their grillers and they chilled out. And they had barbecue all night. And then they would just go back the next day and they would do the same thing. And they would go back home and chill out. They did that seven. And on the seventh time, they would go around seven times, just blow trumpets, shout, and the walls came tumbling down. That's all. That's all. we. The battle is not ours. Why are we fighting sin when we should be fighting the fight of faith? I got to trust God. That's all they did. They blew trumpets. Remember Gideon? He saw him as too many, narrowed it down to 300. What are we going to do? We're just going to shout. We're just going to blow trumpets. Before they got there, the enemies had confused themselves and killed one another. See, God is an awesome God. He'll go before you and fight your battle. You know, moving forward is about understanding he's giving us the land. So all I'm going to do is fight. Like I'm going to let God fight my battle. Oh, okay, the second point before we get out of here. The second point is obstacles don't mean God changed his mind. See, see, obstacles, you know, when you run into something, when you're moving forward in your life, God didn't change his mind. I mean, you got to get that. <laughs> see, when God is moving you forward, just because you run into something, that does not mean God made a mistake.
God is about to use that thing for his glory. See, that's why when you read the Bible, you see the footprints of Jesus. You see the move of God. And that's why I'm trying to break down this analogy in that when you're moving forward, you got to understand we need to recognize that God is the one that's giving us something that we cannot get on our own. Salvation is not something we can work for. It's not something we can earn. It's not something we were looking for. Nobody finds God. John 6, 44 says, let no, the Bible says God draws us to him. Nobody can come to God unless he draws you. And if God is drawing you tonight, that's a Holy Ghost. And if you don't fight God, he'll draw you in like dumb bugs at night. You know how the bugs at night are drawn to the light? They have enough sense to be drawn to the light. We dumb human beings, we need to understand it's not in us to walk right. There's no way we can do it on our own. Let, in other words, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. I'm just a dumb creature, not knowing how to order my step. Jeremiah says, my heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? So tonight, sakes, I owe it to God to, and myself to listen to him. And when he takes me a certain way and I run into something, that's God just saying, watch this. I'm about to get some glory. I'm going ahead of you. Now, now if you don't believe me, I'm so glad I had a Bible that's true. Now, what I want you to do. Uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor J.D., put up there, I'm going to go to Psalms, the 114th division real quick. And I want to show you something because many people wonder when the children of Israel um, left Egypt and God was going before them, they had nothing to worry about as long as they followed Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sikhanu. As long as they followed God, they had no problem. Now watch this. When he was leading them, it was the presence of God leading them. Now, now, if you don't believe me, in Psalms 114th division, and I'm almost finished, Psalms 114th division, it says this. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. Now, I love verse three. The sea saw it and fled. Oh, you missed that. You missed that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Calm down, boys. Calm down. Calm down. See, the children of Israel were being led by God. He was going before them. And I heard the preacher preach the other day that he was in front of them and then he moved behind them, which means sometimes we need direction, but then at other times we need protection. See, God moved from behind them and he stood there between the army all night. See, sometimes you need direction and then there's sometimes you need protection. And so the angel of the Lord that was leading them was actually Jesus Christ. And so as he was leading them, he led them this way for Pharaoh to think that they were confused. They were boxed in. He wanted to take them to the obstacle because if you look at the map, at the, uh, at the peninsula, Mount Sinai, a peninsula they could have gone to the north top of it and there was land but he drove them down where the water was the red sea so that he could show them that when i go when i'm in front of you nothing can stop me so so he goes to the red sea and the bible says in the psalms 114th division the sea saw it so let me ask the question what did the sea see <laughs> oh okay okay what did the sea 
S-E-E. You got that? What did the C see? Oh, my God. It was because Jehovah Jireh, the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself was leading the children of Israel. They were behind him. And when water saw God, water said, uh-oh, here come the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the water said, I'm going to stand on my side and salute him. And the water said, I'm going to stand on my side and salute him. And the word says, the sea saw it. And the Bible says, when the sea saw it, it fled, it departed, it opened up because God, when he tells you to do something, he'll make a way out of no way. He'll open up doors that no man can close. He'll close doors no man can open. In other words, God will do some miraculous stuff that will blow your mind and you'll wonder how did he do it? God is so powerful when he goes before you, he'll make stuff happen. You know what I said to myself? I said, I want to be so full of the Holy Ghost. With God walking before me, we walk past an ATM and money just start coming out. I just, That's my money. That's my money. Because the power of God. Oh, y'all excuse, brother. But okay, okay. Uh, he'll move stuff out the way. See, in other words, the, the Hebrew boys, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. He knew the fire was hot. Obstacles don't mean change your mind. In, in other words, the fire lost its heat because God was in there with them. See, whenever God says do something, he already goes before you. And don't be worried about outcomes and consequences. Leave that to God. When you're moving forward with God, he'll move obstacles. See, like going to the store. The door doesn't open up at the grocery store like at Winn-Dixie or Publix or Walmart. It doesn't open up until you get in front of it. See, once you pull up in your car sitting there talking about what you got to do to go in there and get it, it won't pick up your presence. You can watch other folk walk in there and it opens up for them. But you can look at other people get blessed, but you won't get your blessing until you step in front of the radar of God's promise. It picks you up and it opens up and the door is open. See, you ain't going to experience a blessing until you start moving by faith. You can sit there and wish and want, but once you start moving, God will open up a door and make a way. I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. My last point. Oh, okay. Number three, emotional resources needed. Because see, if you go back to the text. Y'all got to read this for yourself. I don't know. Man, this thing is so sweet. When you read this Numbers thing, Numbers 13, let me go back to it real quick. I'm almost finished. Numbers 13. Go back to Numbers 13. And then if you go back to 14, chapter 14, the Bible says in chapter 14, <laughs> you got to read. This is your homework. This is your homework. Read 13 and 14 prayerfully because by the time you get to chapter 14, verse 1 through following, listen what they said. Listen what they said in verse 2. Okay, and the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died, they suicidal now, only if we had died or, or, or if we had died in the wilderness. Now see, now watch this, verse three, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? You think God is sadistic? You think God playing with you? You think God could have killed you back there? Why he gonna bring you over here to kill you? He, he could have, see people talking about the Lord did this. The Lord. There ain't no act of God. If God wanted to do an act, he could take his finger and push it right through the ozone layer and we all die and drop dead. If he wanted to get us, he could push the earth just one centimeter closer to the sun and we all burn up. God ain't sadistic trying to get us. 
We serve a loving God. We serve a merciful God. We serve a God who's concerned and touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You better stop tripping about God and change your paradigm and understand if God is moving you from here to there, it's because he's trying to take you somewhere. He didn't bring you out of darkness to lead you in the darkness. He didn't bring you out of slavery to take you back into slavery. Oh, my brothers and sisters tonight, God is moving in a mighty way. And you know what you're going to need? They kept wanting to go back, the Bible says, because the third thing is they lack emotional resource. That's what it is. Now, now I need you, let's put that up real quick, and I'm almost out. We only got a few minutes, and it's gone. I, you got to get this emotional resource thing here. Well, let me show you what happened. See, Ruby K. Payne, in her book, A Framework Understanding the Mind of Poverty, she says, if, if you go to that slide, typically, and I'll read it, Poverty is thought of in terms of financial resources only. However, she says, the reality is that financial resources, while extremely important, do not explain the difference in the success, now get this, with which individuals leave poverty, nor the reason that many stay in poverty. So, so what she's saying is, it's something deeper than just financial resources, why some people are broke. See, people say, take money to make money, that is a lie. In other words, she's saying it's, it takes something more than financial resource why people move from poverty to wealth. Now, I kind of transpose that into the spiritual realm. When you understand what God is doing, in order to move you, I want to show you something. The next slide says emotional resources are the most important of all resources because when present, see, when you have emotional resource, it allowed the individual not to return to old habit patterns. I'm going to say that again. See, when you have emotional resource, it allows you not to go back to your old lifestyle. That's why when you find Christians going back to stuff they used to do, it's because they don't have emotional resource. They lack that. So like the children of Israel, they wanted to go back to their old habits, even though what they were going back to wasn't good for them. The second thing is you got to suspend your emotional memory bank. You, you got to let go of the past. The next one, the third one is you must, you, you must have the ability to stay with the situation until it can be learned. See, sometimes people quit too soon. And, and you got to understand, she says, there are hidden rules as you go to the next level. See, spiritually, you have not been where you're going. So when you get there, there are going to be new rules and new things you need to learn to maintain. See, where God has taken you, for the children of Israel could not appreciate free air because they never smelled free air before. You, you got me. In other words, they were used to slavery air. They were used to lost air. And when God moved them to free air, it was uncomfortable for them. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to go to the next level, God going to make you feel uncomfortable, not because he doesn't like you, but because you're going where you've never been before, which means now you got to adapt to the new rule and the just shall live by faith. See, when you're in sin, you live by tangible. If you can touch it, if you can count it, if you can see it. But when you walk in the spiritual realm, the just shall live by faith. I'm going to trust God when I can't trace him. I'm going to trust God when I can't feel him. I'm going to trust God when I don't know if he's there. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy going come in the morning and though you slay me i'm gonna trust you that's the rule in the spiritual realm you gotta have emotional resolve 
and I'm about to quit. I'm going to quit, not because I, I don't have much more to say, but because I think my time is running out. But I want to say this, emotional resolve. See, the Christian, as you move in your Christian life, number one, you got to realize it's God that started this thing in you. And if he started in you, he's giving it to you. It's a gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But it's grace. He gives it to you. He's giving you something that's going to blow your mind. In fact, the pen of inspiration said it this way. Many say when they got to give up their heart, what do you think you're giving up in exchange for the righteousness of Christ? In other words, she said, you're giving up a sin polluted heart in exchange for the righteousness of Jesus. What do you think you're giving up when you say you're giving up something? A world full of sin? Moses said, I'd rather suffer with the people of God than to enjoy sin for a season. Sin might be good for a while. It's transitory. It's only for a moment. And this thing shall pass away. A season comes and a season goes. You've got to understand sin doesn't last. And that's why I choose Jesus. And that's because you've got to have emotional resolve. God gave it to me. And then when I run into something, I can't be so quick to give up. And then I've got to have that emotional resolve. See, I, I like Michael Jordan because he, he had that resolve. Y'all saw the series. Michael Jordan, when you see in the backdrop, go in the green room and see what happened behind them winning those six championships, you got to take your hat off and say that boy had emotional resolve. He got beat up by Detroit. And I don't care what Isaiah Thomas says. That man hugged him twice when he beat him. But he was able to love on him and hug him. And he lost like a champion. And when Isaiah Thomas walked off, couldn't hug him, you can say, all you want to say and I hope he see this in here he just got to apologize and say I wasn't a man I should have done like Michael Jordan he should have said the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away blessed be the name of the Lord Michael Jordan he was a man's man he was a winner he had emotional resolve he got in the gym and started working out he started pushing weight and he came back and won and he beat Detroit Pistons but I'm talking about another Michael not Michael Jordan but Michael the Archangel he got more hang time than Michael Jordan hung on a cross cow cow but before he came down here, I want to tell you something. He set this thing up way before he showed up. He gave us prophecy. And you know what prophecy is? Jesus, Michael, the archangel, telling the devil how he's going to take him. You see, Jesus threw him out of heaven. In fact, I don't think he threw him out of heaven. I think he jumped out of heaven. Because when Michael stood up, he saw him coming. And the Bible says, Lucifer jumped out of heaven. And Jesus said on earth, I saw him coming down like lightning. He came down so fast. Jesus said, okay. And the devil got up, dust himself off. He said, the fight was fixed. I wasn't ready. He hit me when I wasn't looking. Jesus said, what? He said, I'll beat you again, but I'm not going to beat you like God. I'm going to beat you like a man. I like Michael. He said, I'm going to come down there and I'm going to beat you toe to toe, but I'm not coming down there like God. I'm coming in like a man. Watch this, saints. He said, before I come down there, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to take you. Oh, I love it. He said, I'm going to give you 4,000 years of practice before I show up. I'm going to let you practice on your rim. I'm going to let you practice on your court. I'm going to let you find your sweet spot. I'm going to let you do all you got to do. But when I come, I'm coming in the fullness of time. Mary had a baby inside of her. Jesus didn't come as God. He came as a man. He took off his divinity, which is his home court jersey, put on his humanity, his away jersey, came down there and beat him. But before he came down and beat him, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you how I'm going to take you. I'm going to be born in Bethlehem. I'm going to be raised in Nazareth. I'm going to speak in parables. I'm going to die on a cruel cross. And then I'm going to rise up early Sunday morning. And you can't stop me. Oh, that's some sweet stuff. And Jesus, Michael, the archangel, did it just the way he said it. Came down here, born of a woman, born of a virgin. In fact, he even told him, I'm going to be born in Bethlehem. 
and I'm going to be born of a virgin. And if the devil was so bad, he could have made sure there was no virgins. But you can't stop the word of God. He came anyhow. He came down here, walked on planet Earth for 33 years, hung on a cruel cross, died. But then on early Sunday morning, got up with all power. Now, let me shout you with this one. As you moving forward, what blows my mind is this. This same Jesus, he said, now nah, I beat you. And you might say it was fixed. I didn't even use my divinity. I only used the power of God. But to show you how bad I am, I'm going to leave and I'm going to give all power to dust. Oh, watch this, watch this. I'm going to give power to dust. Oh, you think you all that, but you ain't nothing but dust. Some of y'all might be light-skinned dust, brown dust, dark dust, black dust, white dust, but you dust. And dust ain't nothing without the breath of God. And if the breath of God is in you, you are a living soul. You don't have a soul. You became a living soul with the breath of God. So this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm so bad that I'm going to send the Holy Ghost on dust and dust is gonna beat you. Woo! That's why you gotta live right. That's why you gotta talk right. The proof is in your life to testify that the devil can't do you any harm and that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'm happy because as I move forward, I realize he gave it to me. I'm happy because whatever is in front of me, when God goes before me, it got to move out the way. I'm happy because my mind is made up like Paul. I'm persuaded that nothing is going to cause me to back down. Give a truth. Uh-uh. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. If I can't walk, I'm going to crawl. If I can't crawl, I'm going to scratch. If I can't scratch, I'm going to spit. I'm never giving up. I'm persuaded that nothing is going to separate me from the love of God. He brought me out of too much to quit now. He brought you out of too much to turn back now. Trust him. Give your life to him. Make your mind up today if you hear his voice. Don't harden your heart. Y'all excuse me. I'm going sweat my shirt out. Didn't mean to get happy, but I just start talking about Jesus. Something rise up in me, and I just can't help myself. He saved me out of darkness. I didn't know what it was to be free, but it's nothing like smelling free air. And let me tell you something as I go. You know you say when you can get high off of breathing oxygen. Woo, I got a hit to the head right there. Get one. It's free. You know you say when you can get high, just breathe in oxygen. Praise be to God. That's why every knee going to bow. Every tongue going to confess that he's Lord of Lord. Even the devil going to say he's Lord. Tonight, my brothers and sisters, all I'm saying is as you move forward, realize it's a gift. God calls you to his party. He's going to give you eternal life. He's going to give you freedom. Don't fight him. Because if you go back to that text, and I forgot to read it. But notice what the text says, saints, and I'm through, I'm through, James. Verse 9 of Numbers 14 says this. This is why you got to realize. When you're moving forward, the verse says, their protection has departed. See, see in other words, that, that, that right there should shout you. In other words, what you're moving towards, the protection is gone. God moved it out the way. He nullified it. It has no fight. It, ha it has no bite. It, it, it might roar, but no teeth. It, it might look like a problem, but it's an illusion. God just trying to see if your faith will trust him without compromise. In other words, he said the protection is gone. That's why as you move forward, you just got to trust God. And you realize no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And I'm going to say that to all of my brothers and sisters, because this quarantine revival is one that's trying to get us ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. And the Pentecost Ration said this way, there's a time of trouble coming. That she says, many of us do not now possess the experience we need, and many are too indolent to obtain. 
That's why I'm burdened. That's why I, I kind of get crazy when I'm sharing the gospel because we're going to need an experience with God that will allow us to push forward no matter what. I'm not letting anything stop me from trusting God. Trust him tonight. Give him your life. Give him your heart. And you will never be the same. I'm praying, Father God, thank you for deliverance. Thank you for the freedom you promised us. Thank you for giving us life everlasting. And it starts now. Thank you for reminding us that obstacles, don't, they don't mean that we got to stop. It just means you're going to get glory. And then we just need to have a made up mind to trust you no matter what. Don't quit. I pray that for somebody tonight. They were about to throw in the towel. It's no time now to give up. This is not the time. Father, I pray that you'll renew their strength. Give them a spirit of stick to it to miss. That come what may hell or, high, hell or high water, that they're gonna trust you no matter what. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. And a Man, Dr. Bushner, we are so appreciative for you allowing God to use you the way he did tonight. We have so much to be grateful for. You deposited that word into our spirit. The spirit of God used you mightily. And I believe that people all over the world have received this message and we are inspired. You have a contagious spirit, Dr. Bushner. You're over there sweating, and I feel like I need to get up and start shouting. I wish I could have shouted all through that message because that word was for me. And I know that there are many people who are tuning in who can say the very same thing. That word was for me. If that word was for you, I want you to click that heart right now. Click that heart button. Let this preacher know that God used him mightily this evening. And we appreciate you. We appreciate you. We appreciate you for being faithful to the call tonight. Dr. Bush, we're not going to let you leave real quick. We, we have Pastor Polite on the line. And we're going to ask Pastor Polite if he could just for this moment. And everybody where you are, I don't care if you're in the UK, I don't care if you're here in America, wherever you are, I want you to pause right now because we're about to pray for this man of God. God used him to bless us. Why don't we just turn around and bless him by interceding on his behalf? Pastor Polite, please take us to the throne and pray for this man of God. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example that has gone out before us. This was more than a sermon that we have heard. This is more than just theological exercise. We have heard a testimony. And I heard Dr. Bushner not only telling the biblical story, but telling his story. And it is such a beautiful representation of what you're trying to do, what you want to do, what you yes, already Lord. are doing in all of our lives. You are looking at us as an amazing creative project of reclamation. And so we receive that right now, as well as looking at Dr. Bushner and saying, oh, God, may, may the project not finish now. May, may there be new horizons to see. May there be new beautiful manifestations of your love that he sees. Uh, we are told, Father, that your infinite love is something we could study for thousands upon thousands of years. So how about you allow Dr. Bushner and his family to not only benefit from what you have shown him thus far, but to benefit from new revelations, new mercies that he is introduced to with every rising of the sun. And I'm praying, oh God, for not only his safety during this time of crisis and his loved one's safety, but I'm also praying, God, that you would do exactly as he said and protect him from the inside out. Guard his mind. 
please give him the peace that passes all understanding that is sent to guard the brain and the heart. And I'm praying these things for him in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, and amen. We love you, Dr. Bushner. We say thank you so very much for delivering that word. You feel good? How you feeling, Doc? I feel great. I feel great, man. God is good. God is great. I'm looking forward to hearing Polite tomorrow night. Hey, yes, sir. Again, as Dr. Bushner just mentioned, uh, we have Pastor Polite who's going to be preaching tomorrow evening, and we want to make sure that you spread the word. Um, We're going to keep this thing going. Tonight, we have a strong foundation upon which to stand, and we again say thank you for laying that foundation for us this evening, Dr. Bushner. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to report to those of you who tuned in after we had this announcement made earlier, I want to remind you that all of you who've been giving, you've been sowing your seeds of generosity and love. I want you to know that thus far, and we're only midway through this program, through this revival, you have given a total of $2,465 to six different families around the globe in this season of financial crisis. Let me tell y'all who you've blessed. You blessed a, a pregnant single mother in Virginia with $531. You blessed a single mother in Houston with $400. You blessed a Florida family with $325. You blessed a single mother in Michigan with $400. You blessed a pregnant mother here in Florida for another $400. And you blessed a single mother of three girls in Jamaica for four, with $409. And I need to celebrate what God is doing through you. I celebrate what God is doing. I celebrate what God is doing through you. You have been blessing people who are in dire need. And I need you to know that every single penny that you've poured in to the Cash App and to PayPal has gone toward helping these families make it through this time. If you want to sow, let me just remind those of you who need this reminder that you can sow using PayPal. And let me put this up on here for you real quick. Well, let's start with Cash App. You can use Cash App and send your seed to the money sign, the quarantine revival. Again, screenshot this if you need to so you can have it. It's the money sign, the quarantine revival. And we also have an option over here at PayPal by using the the quarantine revival at Gmail email account. So again, through PayPal, you got to use this email the quarantine revival at gmail.com. And again, y'all, we celebrate your faithfulness. We celebrate your generosity and we celebrate your love. Families around this country and families around this globe say thank you. Again, we want you to, if you have a problem, if you're in a, a, a financially uh, tough place, we want you to reach out to us. Please send us a message through the Facebook um, the Facebook page, The Quarantine Revival. And if you want to send us an email, you can do that through thequarantinerevival at gmail.com. Again, send us a private message. And all of this remains private. We're not going to put your business out there. Oh, yeah. Can I remind you that that mother in Virginia, she did have her baby and it was delivered successfully. And we're going to continue praying for her. So y'all keep keep her in your prayers. Keep Dr. Bushner in your prayers. Keep Pastor Polite in your prayers. He's preparing to preach tomorrow. And we are going to pray for you each and every night. Send your requests. We want you to let us know what we can pray for with specificity and, in, and intentionality. As you give us your request, we're going to cover you in prayer. We promise we're going to cover you in prayer. At this time, I'm going to go ahead and just invite you guys to, after this, you know, you don't, you don't have to stop sharing once this thing is over. You know, once this thing concludes, you can still press that share button. And guess what? Somebody who wasn't able to tune in can get this word later. This word needs to go out. We are at night 12 and we have a couple more nights to go. So thank you for sticking with us. Accept our QR challenge. That is that is, again is our QR challenge, our quarantine revival challenge, your commitment to follow 
um, to tune in every single night and invite a friend so that we can worship God together. I'm excited, Doc. You got me on lit. I mean, I'm a blaze. I'm a blaze. I can't. I don't even know what I'm gonna do tonight. I gotta go read the Bible. I gotta go call somebody. I appreciate you so very much. You all be blessed. We're now going going to play our outro. And again, we love you and say thank you so much for tuning in this evening. Amen.